when our study was over, um, you know, one of the most uh, striking repeated comments by volunteers was the way in which the experience seemed more real than real, you know, more real than everyday reality. So um, I started thinking about, well, if that were the case, you know, how could you explain it? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Houston Ensemble podcast. We're joined today with Dr. Rick Strassman. Uh, this is somebody who maybe some of you have heard about, maybe not. If you have not, I highly encourage you check him out, but also listen to this podcast because there's going to be a lot of great material shared in it. Um, Armin and I are big fans of Dr. Strassman's work. Obviously, we've read a lot about it. We've read uh, we've read the book, watched the documentary, etc. We're talking about the spirit molecule here. So, Dr. Strassman, thank you so much for coming on today. And sure, nice so to be on the show. Thank you. So glad to finally have you. It's been a long time coming, as you know. Um, but you know, let's just start off like very clearly. What inspired you to research dimethyltryptamine? Uh, what inspired me? Well, there are a couple inspirations. Uh, one was my long-term fascination with chemistry and with, uh, if, um, and with fireworks, uh, you know, bright colors, excitement, those kinds of things. And in fact, I started college um, as a chemistry major thinking I would start my own line of uh, fireworks. Uh, you know, but I was persuaded instead to, you know, uh, you know, to pursue medicine, I kind of got the last, you know, laugh in that regard, because I kind of just, you know, transferred the fireworks uh, into the mind. It is widely known that the tobacco and diet industries lobby governments with scientific propaganda for years until proven guilty in court. The artificial treatment of our water is the next corporate deception. For example, virtually every nation in Europe has rejected the use of artificial fluoride. International studies since the 40s have repeatedly shown that endocrine and neurological effects increase after repeated consumption, even at the levels accepted by U.S. government. Epic Water Filters is the most thorough industry-grade filtration system that Houston Ensemble has ever used. They reduce heavy metals upwards of 99.5% such as lead and mercury, bacteria like E. coli, and poisons like chromium, nitrate, and fluoride. Join us in our journey to living a toxin-free life and get your epic water filter using discount code Houston Ensemble lowercase one word. That's Houston Ensemble lowercase one word for 20% off your epic water filter. Rather than externally. Um, in college, I was interested in chemistry and was especially interested in uh, the possible chemical underpinnings of spiritual experiences. Um, yeah, this was in California in the early 1970s, uh, big influx of psychedelic drugs and also Eastern meditation practices. Um, and I was impressed with the commonality and descriptions between the effects of certain meditations and the effect of uh, you know, psychedelic drugs. You know, the colors and the visions and the voices and the ecstasy and the new insights, those kinds of things. Um, so I started, you know, uh, with an investigation of the pineal gland about which not much was known back then because there was some data suggesting that melatonin, uh, the main hormonal product of the pineal, um, was potentially psychedelic. Um, 
you know, so we studied that. That was my first kind of independent research uh, you know, project. Um, there wasn't much known about melatonin at the time. This was the early 80s. Um, and uh, it um, you know, turned out to be the case that melatonin was only sedated. Uh, you know, but by then I'd learned about DMT, uh, you know, which is also um, produced in the human body. It's you know, quite psychedelic. It had been studied previously in human research. Um, and I had my own experience with DMT around that time. Uh, so I switched uh, you know, gears from the melatonin work to the DMT work. Um, and I was interested in you know, determining if uh, you know, DMT um, was inherently spiritual. Um, if you just you know, gave DMT to people at a high enough dose without any coaching, uh, with no preparation other than you know, some description of the time course, uh, and that you would uh, you know feel like you'd left your body. You know, but uh, you know, but other than that, we didn't really talk up any specific experience other than the individual's own experience. Uh, you know, go in there, you know, keep your eyes open, and describe the effects to us once you come down. Um, you know, so I was you know thinking if if you know DMT administration replicated certain you know features of spiritual experience, you know, that would support a role for naturally occurring uh, you know, DMT uh, in those, you know, naturally occurring states like dreams or NDEs or, you know, mystical states. I don't, when talking about this, it's almost like thinking about it as a trip. I don't even know where to start, but I was going to say this. Do you think we're uh, any way in shape or form closer to understanding whether we are actually experiencing shared hallucinations of some sort, which would be extremely implicative, or if we're, you know, strictly dealing with a chemical phenomenon that's more and more or less uh, subjective to the user. Well, I mean, how would you tell? I mean, how would you know one way or the other? I guess if you put, let's say, 30 people in a room and they all took this either intravenously or, you know, through some other means apparatus and in silence, if they were able to discern similar entities, objects simultaneously without much communication, would that be indicative of that? Or maybe um, are everyone's brain routers hooking up together somehow and therefore uh, the illusion of a shared experience is there. I don't know what do you, uh, you're you've done much more work on this in this regard. Do you think there's any way to tell? Well, yeah, you know, the uh, you know, fact that the brain makes DMT uh, and concentrations are as high as those for serotonin and, you know, dopamine, you know, it, may uh, it, it, uh, it may turn out to be the case that there's a DMT neurotransmitter system uh, in the mammalian brain, in which case you'd, want, you'd have to wonder what it's doing there. Um, and one speculative avenue is to think about that, you know, DMT is mediating our sense of everyday reality. Uh, and when concentrations go up, then things get pretty psychedelic. And, you know, when they go down, things would be the opposite, uh, so to speak. 
you know, so um, I've speculated kind of you know, fancifully, you know, that DMT is the endomatrix. It's the you know, substance which is maintaining this, you know, shared consensus reality, uh, which everybody is partaking in. Uh, you know, there's no way to tell right now uh, if that's true or not. I suppose, you know, one thing you could do uh, and is being done is, you know, to develop animals which do not produce any DMT, uh, wow. to inhibit the enzyme or to, you know, block the gene. Wow. Well, well, to knock out the gene, uh, which is responsible for the enzyme that synthesizes DMT. You know, that's turning out to be difficult to do. Um, and even if those animals looked either completely normal or completely different, you really wouldn't be able to put that hypothesis to the test without human uh, studies. And you can't really knock out the DMT synthesizing enzyme in humans. That would be pretty unethical. You know, but you could develop perhaps antibodies to DMT, uh, which would work for a brief time or some pharmacological blockader of you know, DMT effects in humans, you know, which would also be difficult, you know, because, you know, the receptors that, you know, DMT is activating are not specific to DMT, you know, serotonin receptors, you know, so you'd be, you know, blocking a number of other things at the same time, you know, whether, well, you know, the shared hallucination, you know, thing is interesting. Um, you know, people who drink ayahuasca, you know, together as a group, you know, sometimes describe your know, shared visions or even shared things in the external world. Uh, you know, Charlie Grobe, a colleague at UCLA, did a study with ayahuasca. Um, well, you're studying an ayahuasca using uh, in Brazilian church in uh, the 90s. And uh, he and Jace Calloway, uh, another colleague who's um, I'm in Finland now, you know, drank ayahuasca, they were in a group. And uh, you know, Charlie opens his eyes, and you know, there's this huge raven you know, sitting in front of him. And uh, he uh, you know, turns to Jason, and he said, uh, "Do you see that?" And uh, and you know, Jason nodded. Uh, you, you know, so they're having a you know, shared hallucination of a big raven. Uh, you know, nobody else was seeing it at the time. Um, you know, so you know that's obviously an interesting phenomenon. Um, you know, but whether, you know, we're living in a DMT, uh, you know, hallucination or not, um, you know, number one, it's hard to tell. And, you know, number two, well, you have to think about whether it make any difference uh, with respect, you know, to how you would live your life. I mean, there still seems to be cause and effect in the uh, you know, DMT world. There's, you know, the passage of time, there's the existence of space. Um, you know, so you would still be responsible for your actions. Um, and I think it would still be incumbent upon you to be as good a person as you could. Wow. When you were, um, when you were doing the research for the spirit molecule, it was a little while ago that I read this, so you may have to correct me on some things, but it sounded like um, some of these people were having experiences that were just out of this world to an extent that they're even, you know, uh, frightening, you know, a lot of frightening ones. Maybe, I think there was maybe, maybe one about like, was it being raped by an alien? Well, yeah, you know, one of our, 
uh, you know, volunteers was kind of a love and light fellow, uh, you know, permed, curly, long hair, tie dye shirt. He'd only taken MDMA before. Hmm. And, uh, you know, everything was groovy. Everything was cool. He worked at a natural food store and he really didn't have any you know, sense of his own shadow, dark side, hmm. you know, negativity, things like that. You know, so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he was just, you know, blindsided, uh, you know, by his first big DMT experience. Uh, um, he was anally raped by by um, the crocodiles pinned below them or under them. Yeah, he couldn't move, couldn't speak, uh, was totally terrified. Yeah, so, uh, you, you know, there was you know, that. Uh, you know, there was another experience some fellow was struggling a bit with depression and he had a very depressive paranoid claustrophobic kind of uh, experience uh, his depression returned but you know thankfully you know cleared up uh you know quickly um with uh some intervention you know therapy counseling uh you know somebody else got depressed again, uh, you know, a recurrence on their depression. It was also, uh, you know, short-lived. He got back on antidepressants. You know, so it's a, a you know, DMT is a you know, very you know, powerful drug. Um, and even with our careful screening and preparation and integration and, you know, support, you know, there were still some adverse effects. You know, nevertheless, uh, you know, they were uh, brief, you know, time limited, they responded to, you know, not too intensive interventions. You know, the, the you know, person, you know, um, with the experience of anally being raped by crocodiles, uh, you know, we excused him you know, from the rest of the study, obviously. Uh, and he came in a few times uh, you know, for follow-up, you know, recompensated rather quickly, stopped using drugs, obviously. Uh, moved to California, got a job at a health food store, uh, was you know, pretty happy afterwards. You know, so when you know, people are you know, talking about decriminalization and legalization and increasing access and things like that, it's important to keep in mind that these are not benign drugs. I mean, right. they're you know, very powerful. Uh, you need to know what you're taking. You need to know what you're getting into. You need to be uh, you know, careful about your own preparation and, uh, you know, stack the deck in your favor. Um, you want to, you know, optimize the set, which is your own state uh, and the setting, mm -hmm. uh, which is the environment and especially the people that you take psychedelics around. Yeah. And to go along with that, um, we had, maybe you're familiar with him. We had Dick Kahn who wrote the, these books called DMT and my occult mind. Now he's not. Oh, all right. Yeah. They're more just daily entries of his DMT experiences. And there are a lot. And it seems that I'm getting to my question here. It seems that he thinks of it as potentially truly another uh, uh, entity, another dimension, another, another something and other, but then something that you just said made me think, but what do you think? Is it also, you know, uh, this chemical that's, you know, in this other guy's experience, 
showing him his shadow self that he had not been in touch with. And it's not actually this other thing, or maybe it's a mixture. I just was curious if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, when our study was over, um, you know, one of the most uh, striking repeated comments by volunteers was the way in which the experience seemed more real than real, you know, more real than everyday reality. So um, I started thinking about, well, if that were the case, you know, how could you explain it? So I kind of, you know, began with, you know, looking at objective, you know, models uh, for entering into other realms of reality, other levels of reality, you know, dark matter, parallel universes, those kinds of things. Um, and, um, you know, that's really quite hard to test. Um, and so instead I started to, you know, look at other models for, you know, the, you know, the revelation or the uncovering or the disclosure of, you know, previously invisible, but, you know, parallel ongoing, you know, levels of reality, you know, subjectively, uh, or at least within a religious tradition. Um, you know, not necessarily physics, but, you know, more, you know, metaphysics, you know, the, you know, the spiritual traditions, which uh, are interested in altered states, um, you know, some of which, uh, you know, share uh, you know, features with uh, the psychedelic experience. You know, so that, you know, was the model that I ultimately became you know, more interested in you know, because of the importance that those um, you know, traditions put or, you know, place on extracting information, uh, you know, from those experiences, useful information um, in terms of understanding the nature of reality and also um, useful information um, in terms of, uh, you know, living a better life, uh, both, you know, personally and, you know, communally. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, there's two models of the spiritual experience, you know, within biology now, you know, one is what's called neurotheology, uh, which, uh, you know, posits that, <clears throat> you know, basically it's your brain on drugs when you take psychedelics or you pray or you meditate or you chant or you fast. Um, you know, there are, uh, you know, certain, uh, you know, chemical reflexes which occur in the brain in response onto certain stimuli. Uh, and you know, the brain is you know, configured that way um, in order to confer evolutionary advantage. Uh, you're more compassionate, you're more creative, <clears throat> uh, you're, uh, you're more, um, you're, more, you're, more uh, you're more altruistic. Um, you know, the other model, well, you know, so using that model, um, the you know, brain reflex gives you the it, it you know, gives you the impression uh, of communicating with the divine. You know, the other model, you know, which I developed, you know, later on through my studies of you know metaphysics, is I, I you know, kind of you know turned on its head, which I call you know, theoneurology, um, and you know that proposes. Uh, you know, that the brain is you know, so configured in order, you know, to allow communication, you know, with an external divinity, an external 
uh, spiritual world. Uh, you know, so it isn't because of an evolutionary advantage you know, per se. It's you know more of a you know means of you know God or the divine uh, you know, communicating with us. You know, which explains um, a lot of things which. Um, you know, may not make sense evolutionarily or rationally with respect, you know, to the message of, you know, certain spiritual traditions. Um, you know, so is it in, you know, so, it, you know, are the experiences, <clears throat> you know, just, you know, uh, you know, purely our brain on drugs? Uh, is it, um, you know, some outside communication, you know, now, uh, you know, being made possible, you know, I just don't think we can tell. And, uh, you know, so instead of the you know, brain on drugs model or the, you know, you're speaking with a real God model, I've, um, I've opted, you know, for a more, you know, generic description, uh, you know, which is, you know, psychedelics, um, um, <clears throat> you know, reveal the um, you know, previously invisible. I mm. and uh, you know, so that you know bespeaks you know the validity and the power of the term psychedelic, which means you know mind manifesting or mind you know disclosing you know things you know which you were not uh, you know previously perceptible or witnessable or apprehensible, uh, you know now become you know visible or apprehensible. You can see things and understand things or you know witness things you know, which were, you know, previously not, uh, you know, um, which um, were previously unavailable. There's three things that come to mind, and we don't have to talk about all these three things, but as I'm listening to you explain, I'm reminded of uh, the recent scientific obsession with consciousness, and it's not recent, but definitely the conversations popping up a little more often than uh, I remember. And um, yeah, do we understand consciousness? Number one, number two, we think about messing with human biology and see what we can turn on and turn off. Is that necessary? Are human beings perhaps innately capable of utilizing their own given biology to tap into certain energies? Uh, is our bodies, our brain powerful enough to learn how to do that on its own? And then that leads me to another thought. And again, we don't have to speak on this, but I think MK Ultra and the program MK Ultra has had a huge, gigantic impact on people's attitude towards psychedelics in the past six, seven decades. And what is the legacy of MK Ultra? Where does the line stop? You know, just recently, a few years ago, Johns Hopkins was still collecting data from anonymous users of uh, psycho uh, psychotropics, even DMT, and asking these people if they can map out the region of space that they were in to see if, what they could actually tangibly get out of that. So I think there's a huge obsession with psychedelics in government and in uh, government scientific communities. And that's undeniable, but is the, so the question here might be, what do we need to know about consciousness perhaps to figure out what's going on to get closer to it? 
Well, you know, what is consciousness? I mean, uh, it's you know, kind of like pornography, you know, like the Supreme Court justice, you know, said a long time ago, uh, he couldn't define pornography, you know, but he knew it when he saw it. Uh, so I think with, with, you know, consciousness, it's you know, kind of the same way. Uh, you know, if you have consciousness or you don't, uh, you know, if you're conscious or not, um, you know, but, uh, you know, not being especially glib, um, you know, consciousness is, you know, consciousness, you are aware of things and yourself, um, that's, you know, probably, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the easiest, you know, definition, you know, what is, you know, the origin of consciousness? What are the mechanics of consciousness? You know, that's a lot more mysterious. Um, you know, there's this thing called the explanatory gap, uh, which both philosophers and, uh, you know, neuroscientists um, describe um, as the inability to link brain chemical changes with um, actually, or, you know, with actual subjective experience. Um, there's, you know, no, you know, way um, at this point to understand, you know, how activation of serotonin receptors results in, you know, visions. Um, you could, you know, map the, uh, you know, biology, you know, brain imaging, and you can map the subjective experience you know, um, you know, but the one-to-one -one correspondence still is elusive, and both philosophers and you know neuroscientists aren't uh, you know really sure um, about whether or not that'll ever be bridged. Um, you know, speaking of Hopkins, they you know, published a paper a week or two ago on well, um, it was a you know, survey study, uh, you know, where they asked you know people who tripped if they attributed consciousness to things which are, you know, normally, you know, not considered conscious, you know, like animals and plants and even inanimate objects. And, um, you know, psychedelics, you know, you know, seem to be associated with attribution of, you know, consciousness, you know, <clears throat> you know uh, to a larger, uh, you know, community as it were than, you know, previously. You know, the danger in those kinds of studies isn't that, or, or um, is uh, the, uh, you know, the question of, you know, what comes first? Is it, you know, the chicken or the egg? Um, if, if you, you know, had an inkling or an interest in plants being, you know, conscious or animals being conscious or even inanimate objects possessing consciousness and you trip, and you say, oh, right, that's true, that that animal is, you know, conscious, or that plant is conscious, you know, there's, uh, you know, danger in converting opinions, or, you know, feelings into facts, uh, you know, saying, oh, if you trip, you are now aware of, you know, consciousness, which exists in a lot, you know, larger arena, which wasn't the case before, you know, so that isn't, you know, proof of, you know, consciousness and plants. It's, it's proof of, you know, psychedelics uh, magnifying, making more certain the belief that plants are conscious, but it doesn't mean that, con that you know, plants are conscious. Mm -hmm. Um 
you also asked about, you know, why can't we do it ourselves without, you know, drugs, let's say, well, it's all drugs in a way, or it's all chemistry in a way. Um, you know, if you meditate, it changes brain chemistry. If you pray, it changes brain chemistry. If you take a psychedelic, um, it you know, changes brain chemistry. You know, so it's, you know, more the set and the setting. It's your intention. It's, you know, who you are, uh, which will then, you know, channel the brain chemistry, uh, uh, you know, changes into the desired, you know, direction or not. Uh, you know, so, you know, one of, you know, the advantages of, you know, doing it on yourself or, you know, doing it by yourself is you work on yourself in the meantime. You know, let's say you're a monk in a, in a monastery, you're studying scripture, you're living a virtuous life, you're staying out of trouble, you're not, uh, you, um, you have a community of support. Uh, and you know, so if as a result of prayer or of meditation, you have a you know, psychedelic uh, type or spiritual experience with, with you know, psychedelic features, it you know, confirms your training and your study, you know, rather than you know, being the goal of your training and study. Um, you're validated in your pursuit of that path. And it's, in a way, just the beginning of your practice. You know, like, oh, okay, you know, this is really true. You know, what I've been studying and on your training, you know, doing for the last, you know, five or 10 years is true. And you speed up your efforts, you intensify your practice as a result. You know, if you just, you know, trip, like you want to have, you know, let's say a particular kind of experience, a mystical experience or a prophetic experience or an ego dissolving experience, and you study up on it for a bit and you, you know, take a drug and you have that experience, it's, a, you know, it's you know, quite a bit different. Uh, you have the experience as a goal, um, um, as the end point of you know, taking a drug as opposed to the experience occurring you know, within a lot you know, larger context. You know, so even though the experience you know, might resemble that, you know, those experiences, you know, may resemble each other, you know, phenomenologically anyway, you know, the feelings and the visions and the voices, the out-of-body experiences and whatnot, you know, the context is, uh, you know, quite a bit different and, you know, the impact is quite a bit different. You know, that's not to say, you know, that, uh, you know, drug-induced experience, you know, can't be helpful. It is, you know, clearly helpful. Uh, you know, taking into account the right set and setting. If you're depressed and you take a psychedelic within a you know, psychotherapy setting, it'll improve your depression or it'll improve your mood. Uh, you know, you know, but to conflate, you know, spiritual experiences, uh, you know, just you know, based on phenomenology, I think, you know, can be misleading. You know, uh, the MK Ultra. You know, I've been. Uh, interested in you know, Charles Manson for you know quite a while you know his use of psychedelics um, and I read Helter Skelter a few years ago and I'm currently you know reading The Family uh, you know, by Ed Sanders um, and you know there's another book that you know somebody just you know turned me on to um, about you know, Manson's involvement with MKUltra uh, you know for your listeners uh, you, know, you know that are familiar um, MKUltra you know was a uh, you know, top, uh, you know, secret, you know, CIA, you know, program, you know, to dose people unwittingly with, you know, psychedelics. Uh, and also, you know, to develop assassins and, 
you know, programmed, you know, killers under, you know, the influence of psychedelics. You know, that never worked out or, you know, didn't work out all that well, you know, because you know, the effects were you know, too unpredictable, you know, but, but still it was nefarious. A lot of people had breakdowns. Uh, it wasn't very cool. I mean, there was no informed consent or if it was informed consent, it was pretty sketchy. Um, you know, I think, you know, more of the danger, you know, now uh, compared to back then when this you know, CIA and the government, you know, had their hands in nefarious uh, studies or you know, projects is, you know, the commercialization um, of psychedelics. Uh, which is going on now. You know, the government, you know, mostly it you know, seems to me is interested in the benefits of, you know, psychedelics. You know, there could be some, uh, you know, black ops stuff going on. Well, uh, I'm not sure if I should really, you know, volunteer this information, yeah, but I will. Uh, like after 9-11, uh, I was pretty incensed and I wrote to everybody. I wrote to George Bush. I wrote to Dick Cheney. Um, I wrote to the CIA. I wrote to the FBI. I just wrote to everybody. And I said, if you want to use you know, psychedelics um, as tools of interrogation, I volunteer. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it was interesting. You know, the only person that wrote back was a representative you know, from the CIA. And he called me actually. And he said, isn't that illegal? And I just couldn't help but start, you know, to laugh. Like, well, uh, perhaps, but still, I mean, look what you guys did with MK Ultra, and you know, so the guy said, "Oh, I'll get back to you," and you know, obviously, I never heard back. Um, you know, but you know, those weren't the, uh, you know, especially useful, you know, tools of interrogation. You know, the army also was, you know, developing, you know, psychedelics as, you know, biological or, you know, chemical you know, warfare agents, which, you know, never really you know, panned out either. Um, you know, there's a movie, Jacob's Ladder. It's about uh, BZ, uh, this drug called BZ. It's an anticholinergic, you know, drug like belladonna or scopolamine or atropine, completely, you know, psychotomimetic. Um, and uh, it's a movie um, about a platoon that was, you know, dosed in Vietnam with BZ, um, and obviously it was a real, you know, train wreck. Um, the BZ. Yeah, you know BZ. Uh, you know Z as in zebra. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, you know Jacob's Ladder. It's a great movie, you know, with you know Tim Robbins. Um, I think there was a book. I'm not sure, you know, but it was a great film. Um, you know, but, you know, dispersing, you know, the agents was, you know, complicated, you know, there's wind and there's hills and things like that, you know, so the army gave up on that. Um, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised if there, you know, were not some, you know, black op, you know, operations going on, but, you know, but still, I think it, you know, pales in comparison, uh, with the flurry of commercial interest, um, in, on, you know, psychedelics, you know, new compounds, well, yeah, especially, you know, new compounds. Um, you know, there's a, a you know, novel you know, by, uh, you know, by, uh, uh, by Philip K. Dick, you know, came out a long time ago, obviously. Uh, and it's called the, the Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldridge. Um, and it's about, uh, you know, two competing psychedelics, you know, for world uh, domination. You know, one is a Terran, um, you know, psychedelic, as I think it's called candy, um, and it makes you know people shrink into this space where they interact, you know, with this uh, 
you know, doll called Perky Pat and her, you know, cohorts. Uh, they, you know, buy stuff and they take vacations and they play games together. It's all, you know, kind of trippy. It's like, you know, Barbie on acid, you know, but you're living it. Um, you, you know, the other compound uh, is called, uh, let's see, there's, uh, gosh, I'm blanking on the other compound. Uh, you, you know, but it uh, you know, comes, you know, from another star system. Uh, and it's very dark. It's very strange. It's like a you know, super psychedelic. Uh, you trip and you come down and you're tripping again and you're not sure if you've come down or not. It's it's like a horror story. I mean, it's one of the scariest things I've ever read. I suppose, you know, it affected me specifically you know, because of you know, my interest. Uh, you know, but, but still, I think with this mass commercialization of psychedelics, and who's got the coolest and the best and the most effective and the most entertaining or the most stimulating or the most ether psychedelics? Uh, I think we may be in store for some pretty strange, uh, you know, competitive, you know, venture capital competition. Yeah, I'm very worried about that, Chad. Yeah, I mean, I'm worried about that too. I think they're like, I forget actually what movie I saw, but there were. It's always interesting to see. Uh, I'm just gonna switch the camera here. Coming right back. Um, it's always interesting to see some of the uh, futuristic psychedelics. And I was going to say, kind of to what you were saying about the black ops portion. Um, now, maybe this is comedy, maybe it's not. But uh, if you're familiar with the guy Alex Jones, he was he was on Joe Rogan's podcast. And oh, right, right. I've got an Alex Jones story. <laughs> well, he was talking all about you know how they're using their you know basically getting people one they're taking their body temperature down to you know death death level putting them in the dmt space or injecting them intravenously keeping them in that space uh i also read um oh man uh it's another book on more of the actual brain working uh oh my goodness this uh, this guy lives in Japan. I feel like you probably have heard of him. And the book is written in kind of like this eight bit art art form. Darn it, I'm totally. Um, are you thinking of uh, Gallimore, Andrew Gallimore? Andrew Gallimore, exactly. Yeah, and his alien information theory book. Alien information theory, right? Yeah, and yeah, talking about just yeah. I know Andrew. Well, so we published a paper a number of years ago on the, you know, on the, uh, you know, theoretically, you know, keeping somebody in an extended DMT state, mm -hmm. um, you know, like over the space of, you know, several hours, you know, theoretically it could go on for days or weeks, I suppose, you know, but extended over several hours. Um, yeah. And there's a couple of groups, at least three right now, you know, that are working on that. Um, you know, one is in London, the others in London, there's one in Switzerland. Yeah, you know, so there's, you know, three groups that are, you know, working on developing an extended DMT state. You know, so that could be what Alex Jones was talking about. Um, you know, a long time ago, Alex Jones, uh, you know, company called me and asked me if I would, you know, go on their show. And I hadn't heard of Alex Jones back then. And I, you know, did some online research. And, you know, he had just interviewed, you know, Charlie Sheen, um, who had gone, you know, manic. And uh, he really embarrassed, you know, Charlie Sheen. And I looked at that interview and I said, I do not want to be interviewed by Alex Jones about DMT. 
Um, yeah, you know, so I said, no, thanks. And then a few weeks later, um, I saw, uh, you know, some, you know, clips, you know, from Alex, you know, Jones, uh, you know, show on DMT. <laughs> and he was going off about, yeah, yeah, the elites are smoking DMT. And the aliens are telling them what to do and you know, how to accomplish their goal of world domination. So I thought to myself, I'm really glad I was not on Alex's you know, show about DMT. Can I say something about that? That's funny. So I'm pretty much thinking there's nothing that we could say that's going to surprise you too much. But without giving too much away, um, <clears throat> the there is a weird aspect to psychotropics that isn't talked about much. And that is how it is used in occult circles, because not only is there a retail obsession or growing obsession with psychedelics, there has for a long time been an obsession in occult circles or people who like to do rituals that they think give them powers or, rituals that they think give them information whatever and decades ago an individual who we've all heard of named Aleister Crowley went into a so-called strong hallucinogenic state using similar compounds I believe it was DMT and out of that experience he sketched what he believed was an entity that he met in that realm and that sketch is very famous it's all over the internet the sketch more or less looks like what we would think of a gray alien being large head gray body big eyes and for alistair this entity was like a sagacious demon king of a sort that decided to appear to alistair and confirm some of Alistair's ideas. So, is there any experience you've had with people from occultic circles or any questions you've received from these individuals that may be interested in knowledge from this era? Hmm. Um, well, so one point is worth, is, you know, worth underlining. Um, when you were describing this thing, confirming some of Alistair you know, Crowley's beliefs, right. you know, that's just it. That's what you know, psychedelics do. They confirm your beliefs. Uh, you know, so I think to impugn um, or to attribute intrinsic information to you know, psychedelics isn't quite accurate. I think they are you know, psychedelics, that's what they're called for a reason, you know, they disclose or manifest um, what's in your mind. You know, uh, you know, there's an Israeli psychologist, Ido Hartoksen, who's, you know, coined the description uh, for, uh, uh, you know, psychedelics, uh, you know, calling them, you know, meaning enhancing. Uh, they enhance the meaning of things which are already in your mind. Mm. Uh, you know, so in the case of, you know, Crowley, uh, you know, he, you know, had certain ideas. In the case of Charles Manson, he had certain ideas and in his followers. Um, and with, you know, psychedelics, it makes those ideas more real, more certain, more uh, more truthful, you know, more meaningful. Um, 
you know, so the occult on um, psychedelics, you know, the Hell's Angels were the main distributors of LSD in the Bay Area back in the 60s. Uh, Charles Manson and his group used a lot of LSD. Um, Ernst Younger, uh, who was a Nazi, pretty much a uh, you know, militaristic you know, German guy from World War I, then World War II, uh, used LSD with Albert Hoffman. You know, Hoffman uh, you know, supported Younger uh, when uh, Younger was in you know, dire straits, uh, you know, back in the 20s and 30s, um, the 40s. Yeah, so, uh, you know, there's a book by Alan Piper, uh, which is called Strange Drugs Make Strange Bedfellows. Um, and it's about how you know, psychedelics are used in the occult, you know, neo-Nazi groups, uh, you know, violent, pro, you know, violence-prone individuals and organizations. You know, so, you know, psychedelics are, you know, psychedelic, they work on your set and your setting. You know, so if you want to be a more committed, you know, neo-Nazi, take psychedelics and read Mein Kampf. If you want to be more um, in tune with occult energies and occult ideas and occult texts, take you know psychedelics and study occult you know texts and do rituals and perform magic. Uh, they'll pretty much you know do what you want. Um, you know if if you keep your finger to the pulse of the psychedelic literature, every couple of of you know weeks there's a new thing that psychedelics do. You know, like I was describing that study from Hopkins about how the attribution of consciousness is enlarged through psychedelics. You know, so that's, you know, just, you know, the latest example, uh, you know, the literature anyway, well, you know, the above board literature, uh, you know, psychedelics, you know, change your metaphysical beliefs. They make you more progressive nature appreciation, music appreciation. Uh, they improve, you know, your domestic relationships. Uh, they help your meditation. Uh, you name it, you know, so in a way, you know, they're placebos, they're panaceas, they basically, you know, do what you want them to, you know, so that, you know, means that if you want to make the most of your psychedelic experiences, you need to, you know, set things up in that way. Uh, you need to prepare, you need to study, you need to, uh, you know, fill your mind with the kinds of things that you want to become, you know, more the case in the future. You know, so that could be, you know, for malignant purposes, or it could be, you know, for, uh, you know, benign, uh, you know, beneficent ones. I don't want to sound like an Alex Jones apologist here, but I mean, technically, it's like, yeah, put your effort into whatever, take the drug, and then, yeah, you manifest that. So if you want to manifest, I don't know, world domination, maybe you could, you know. Maybe. And I was, yeah, I was going to say that's a good point, too, because I, I think I've personally had an experience where... Or multiple experiences where I do feel like these chemicals can maybe open up some sort of or make you a little more receptive to something along those lines of an energetic portal, right. per se. Are the stories of the berserkers, uh, the frontline, uh, Visgoth and Viking tribes ah, that would use right. mushrooms to basically lose their mind in the battlefield and right. go for it? But Chad, did you want to ask him? Um, well, yeah, well, if you just you know look at you know the shamanic culture, you know the indigenous you know shamanic culture, uh, you know not the one that 
you know, gringos, uh, you know, go down to and immerse themselves in for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I have a you know friend um, who's a, you know shaman in Ecuador. Uh, he's a European fellow who's you know lived there forever, and uh, he came up to you know lead some ayahuasca retreats a, a few years ago, and you know he was telling us that twelve uh, you know shamans in his state were murdered in the preceding year. You know, so you know, there's a lot of black magic, a lot of you know warfare. There's a lot of you know curses and counter curses and counter counter curses, uh, which occur within you know the shamanic ayahuasca using community. Um, Stephen Byer, an anthropologist and uh, an attorney, uh, he wrote a book a few years ago, which is called "Singing to the Plants." And uh, he's got an interesting you know, quote in there. You know, there are good shamans and bad shamans, but they're all bad shamans. Um, and, you know, what he was uh, speaking about is, you know, that the model, you know, for sickness and for healing, uh, it all involves spiritual warfare. If you're sick, it's because you've been cursed by a shaman. And if you remove the curse, it goes back to the, the original cursing shaman who's angry and feels challenged. And then he curses you because you remove the curse from your patient and, you know, kind of ad infinitum and it ends in murder. Uh, this, you know, this you know, friend of mine said, you know, 12 shamans were killed in his state in a year. Um, you know, so, um, you know, psychedelics are not good. They're not bad. They're like, you know, nuclear energy in a way. I mean, they can be used for good. They could be used for, uh, you know, for bad. So, it's, you know, set in setting. It's your intention is who you are and, you know, why you trip and, you know, who you trip around. Wow. Well, I want to keep my word with the time, like we said. And Dr. Strassman, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it, I think just for anybody who's listening, it's kind of funny. I, we've been trying to put this together for a while. For a, We've always, I you know, we've all, either party has had something here and there, but we finally did it. On lucky April eighth, my half birthday. Oh, happy my lucky number! Lucky number, infinity. Today's the day. Mm -hmm. well, <laughs> it was an absolute pleasure. I mean, I I think we could keep talking on and on. I mean, we've only scratched the surface. Yeah. I barely mentioned anything about <laughs> anything, so it's like. But we really appreciate. Are you going to be in Houston anytime in the future? Uh, no plans now. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just finished a book. I was uh, going to ask you about that. The, yeah, yeah. I forgot about. to mention it. Yeah, I have a new book coming out in June. It's called The Psychedelic Handbook by Ulysses Press. It's coming out uh, June. I just wrapped up the back cover just yesterday. Awesome. Uh, so it's pretty much done off my desk. Um, wow. Yeah, so it's kind of a textbook uh, for uh, you know psychedelics. It isn't an advocacy book. Uh, it isn't, you know, the dangers of, you know, psychedelics is, uh, you know, balanced. Uh, it's like, okay, they can do good, they can do harm. You know, this is the way you optimize their effects. You know, this is the way you minimize adverse effects. You know, these are the drugs. These are what they do. You know, these are how they do it. Um, you know, legal stuff, microdosing, all those things. You know, so it's, you know, kind of a, Wow. You know, uh, one stop, one 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 stop shopping kind of book. If you want to learn about psychedelics, um, you know, I think it'll be a you know good, uh, uh, you know, valuable resource. Wow. Well, when you uh, 
when that officially comes out or you get the link, I'll try and remember to ask you about that. And we'll put the uh, link for that book in this podcast. Uh, you know, you can order it on Amazon already. If already. you know, we can share okay. screen. Uh, I can show you the cover. Oh, let's uh, let's check that out. Let me make sure you're allowed to share your screen. It can be kind of funky sometimes. Yeah, I know it's not so easy to share screen with a guest. Uh, let's see. All right, you should be able to share your screen now. Okay, let's see the one that came out yesterday. Was there an artist who did the cover? Uh, the publisher weird? did. Okay. Um, you're like I had Alex Gray do it the stock guy <laughs> uh yeah you know uh it's really different than an alex gray piece uh good let me see if this comes up, it up. no oh, this is the actual book uh back cover edited what's the date yeah that was cool <laughs> uh so you know this is a Pretty good version of the cover. Um, cover, there it is. Yeah, okay. Uh, so let's see if I can share screen with you all. Share screen. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, so there it is. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a little, you know, friendlier than yeah. an Alex Gray painting. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, the Alex Gray stuff can spook some people. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh oh man that looks okay i will be ordering that for sure we'll put a link to that so that everybody can see that um yeah yeah you could order it on amazon now if it's available uh yeah you know so <clears throat> it is practical uh but you know theoretical too i you know include stuff about you know metaphysics and i include stuff about placebo and whatever but uh it's, you know, mostly, you know, these are the drugs, these are what they do, you know, you know, these are you know, how, or, you know, these are the ways in which we think they're, you know, doing what they're doing. But um, yeah, in fact, uh, if you've got a minute, uh, let me. Oh yeah. We're, we're all good on time. So as long as you're uh, okay. Yeah. I can show you the table of contents. Um, While you're doing that, if you don't mind, can you remind me what uh, state you live in or like even what city you live in? Yeah, I'm in Gallup, New Mexico. Okay. Small town on the edge of the reservation. Oh, man. That's probably uh, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing place. Um, yeah, I've been here 12 years. Uh, so let me show you psychedelic handbook. There it is. Uh yeah, so let me see if I can flip through the table of contents. <clears throat> yeah, you know, what are psychedelic drugs? History, set and setting, human research, physical effects, uh, psychological effects, you know, near-death and alien contact. Are there many names for psychedelics, why they matter? Are they psychedelics? Are they entheogens? Are they psychotomimetics? Uh, what are they good for? What are their risks? Uh, you know, there's a couple of times I apologize in the book for being kind of a downer when it comes to saying there are risks and these are what they are. And these are the forms the risks can take. And these are what you do about the risks and minimize them and how to get help and things. So 
I, you know, don't, you know, gild the lily. Uh, so there's you know, how psychedelics work, the brain, uh, you know, networks, uh, how psychedelics work, the mind, Freud, Buddhism, metaphysics, beings. Uh, then I, you know, kind of go off on panaceas and placebos. Uh, you know, then I discuss, you know, the classical compounds, LSD, psilocybin, DMT, MDMA. You know, I had to bone up on MDMA and, uh, you know, ketamine. You know, those are not what you would call, you know, classical psychedelics, which are the drugs I'm most familiar with. You know, so I had to, you know, really get up to speed with MDMA. Did you have to go out into the field and uh, do a little research? <laughs> Uh, no, no. I just scoured the literature and spoke to some experts. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll just say very briefly, since it's on par with the subject, what I was referring to earlier, I had an experience that was, uh, in, I guess, spiritually brought on by MDMA, where I, I truly think that I opened up some sort of energetic portal, which allowed some sort of energetic being to come through it. So, and I think ketamine is very similar in that way. So right. I, 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 it actually has made me say, wow, you should very, be very careful about your intentions and about what you want to do. Yeah. Well, so in this, you know, how psychedelics work the mind, I've got a couple of pages on the beings there. Um, and then MDMA, ketamine, you know, salvia, and you know, then how to trip. Uh, you know, that's the longest chapter of the book is how to trip. Dr. Strassman, have you ever heard of a forum entitled the DMT Nexus? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, microdosing and the law. Yeah, you know, so one-stop shopping, you know, like I said. Wow, that's going to be awesome. That's like, it's it's reminding me of um, Tim Leary's book, you know, way back, whatever that one was called, the psychedelic. Uh, the psychedelic guide or the something like uh, that it's like it's like analogous to that but this looks like 1000 times better because i read that and it was like eh, you know something this looks great um well tim's book you know relied heavily on the tibetan book of the dead right uh and the bardos um yeah you know so you know my book is a lot more like i'm a clinical researcher psychiatrist uh, uh you know so it's a lot well it's you know coming at it from uh from you know 50 years uh you know hence you know what we've learned about psychedelics it isn't like you know psychedelics are you know bursting on the scene we know a lot about them now um and i've given a lot and i've studied a lot and uh you know it's a you know, kind of like if you don't really know anything about psychedelics, but you want to learn about them without really any agenda other than to just become educated, uh, that I think will be the value of this book. Wow. Well, we're going to put it in there and thank you so much for joining us today. We're definitely going to stay in touch with you. And if I, you know, if I ever go to New Mexico anytime soon, I'll, I'll come say hello. Yeah, yeah, you know, Gallup's an interesting place. I just got an email from you know somebody saying, you know, why do you live in Gallup? And it's like, you know, how do you explain it? Oh, I've been here, you know, 12 years. It's you know, mostly Navajo. Uh, and it's really beautiful countryside. You know, so I like living among the Navajo. I like the countryside. I've got a big house, it's quiet, I can write and study. 
um, you know, is you know, Christian in a good way. I mean, they're really nice Christians here. So, uh, yeah, it's a good place to live. There was a Native American gentleman in the Spirit Molecule documentary. Well, I distinctly remember having a very profound experience and he's sharing it. And yeah, Patricia. Yes. And I was struck by that because I know that we're all saying, you know, the, the, the molecule can enhance what you already believe. But uh, <laughs> this will require another hour. I swear. And Chad would attest to this. There were moments I did feel like that. I was like, yeah, I was thinking that that's nothing. That's like my projection. And other moments were like that really came out of nowhere. I never fathomed imagining anything like that in my life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of my volunteers, you know, said I could never have imagined this. Um, and um, the the front material for my DMT book, The Spirit Molecule, um, it's a quote by Tumor saying uh, we did, um, you know, that we do not have the imagination to know what we are missing or you know, something like that. Mm. Um, you know, but at the same time, there is the unconscious uh, that, you know, that you know, Freud discovered and uh you know worked on you know so the unconscious is unconscious i mean i've been in analysis you know on the couch you know for days and days and weeks and weeks and years and years um and you know the unconscious is unconscious there's no way to access it until it's accessible uh but you know when it is accessible it's like oh yeah of course but you know before that it was completely inaccessible so i think you can explain things using you know, psychological principles, but at the same time, you know, your psychological your principles are a, a you know, fairly modern invention. Uh, and uh, there's a long, longer history of other worlds, which you tap into in uh, altered states. So, um, you know, I think the jury's still out about, you know, where that material exists. But yeah, uh, your time is running out. So, you know, thanks for having me on. I'm glad we finally connected and uh, let's stay in touch. All right. Thanks, Dr. Strassman. We'll, We'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye.